Bet365 sponsors straight out of Cobham and they feature over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you need to bet on sport. The new season is underway and Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch the games live, with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to Straight Outta Cobham, the Chelsea FC podcast from The Athletic. Each and every week we bring you the very latest blues news and views. Coming up in this edition we talk transfers, friendlies, the first Chelsea silverware of the season and answer your questions. Available for free and ad-free on The Athletic app, this is Straight Outta Cobham. Yes, welcome in, one and all. Delighted to have your company to discuss another busy week in the life and times of Chelsea Football Club. I'm Matt Davis-Adams, joined by two of the Athletics' foremost thinkers on all things Blues-based. Simon Johnson away this week, but the one and only Liam Toomey is very much here. Hi, Liam. Hello. Simon's got to be approaching the 19th hole at this point. (laughs) Been in it for about a week. (laughs) It's 12.05 as we record, so yeah, I think definitely um, that is the case. Alongside Liam, the incomparable Dominic Fifield. Hi, Dom. (laughs) Hi, Matt. How are you doing? (laughs) Good, thanks. Uh, Don't ever try and compare Dom. No, you can't. You know what? I'll be honest. I've been watching wrestling this morning and they always use the word incomparable um, completely out of context. So it's stuck in my head. Anyway, let's move on uh, and talk about some transfers. The last time we spoke, we said Chelsea were concluding deals to bring Thiago Silva and Ben Chilwell to the club. Well, those conclusions indeed reached shortly after we dropped the episode, as is customary in the world of podcasts. And we've spoken a lot about Chilwell over the past few months, given that Simon was the first to break the news of Chelsea's interest. Uh, The silver move, though, I think caught everybody by surprise. Liam, you've written a fabulous piece for The Athletic detailing what he can add to the Chelsea defence and where he's vulnerable. The conclusion I took from it was, um, whilst it's far from guaranteed, he he could add something positive to the Blues' backline. What else did you find out about his playing style whilst researching the piece? Yeah, I, th- I spent an awful long time on Y Scout, probably more than is healthy. Um, just watching clips of of Thiago Silva, mainly from from the Champions League run this season, because I, I feel like his recent body of work is what's immediately relevant to what he can do in the Premier League. And it and it's clear that he still reads the game at an elite level. Um, you know, his he, the way he positions himself, the way he reacts to people making dangerous runs around him. He, he he tends to make the right decision about who to leave and who to close down. Um, and I, I think that's the mark of, you know, the fact that he's been one of the elite centre-backs in the world for the last decade. But he does have, you know, some, some increasing limitations. I looked at the stats and I think he's not quite the force in the air that he once was, which is certainly um, not not entirely compatible with Chelsea's existing weaknesses in this team, um, and I think he also needs a speed around him. You know, not not uncommon to older centre backs. I think he needs a partner with with covering speed, particularly if in quite a lot of games, as as Lampard tends to do, 
um, Chelsea set up with a high line and tried to play the game in the opposition half because he he is, I think, um, you know, technically very used to playing high up the pitch with PSG against teams that sit deep against them. But he's always had either Kimpembe or Marquinhos next to him who who can sweep up around him. And he does that for them as well. Um, Marquinhos certainly is better than any of Chelsea's current centre-backs. So I think they need to find a good combination for him. Communication is also really important. And by all accounts, Silva doesn't speak much English. So I, I think it would be a good idea for Chelsea to make French the first language of their defence this season, given that Kante, um, Zuma, who probably makes the most sense as, as Silva's partner and as Pilaqueta will speak it there's been talk of Chelsea being linked with Edouard Mendy in goal as well I think that that would work obviously on that level um he he could well add value there's no precedent for a defender coming into the Premier League at 36 years old and and making a, a significant positive impact but if anyone can do it it would be a defender of the the pedigree of silver they just need to make sure that they they put enough protection around him Right now, we're offering listeners of this show the opportunity to try out The Athletic for free. You can enjoy all of our writing on Chelsea, including Liam's piece on what Thiago Silva can bring to the team's defence and an article explaining why the club are able to spend so much money this summer. Just go to theathletic.com slash ChelseaPod to sign up for a 30-day free trial. That's theathletic.com slash ChelseaPod. Tom, a name that's been mentioned by way of comparison fairly regularly is Laurent Blanc at Man United. I guess Chelsea will be hoping he'll be more like Marcel Desailly when he came than, than Blanc, who who struggled from the first game that he played in the Premier League and, and didn't hang around very long. Yeah, I, I agree. If you talk to Manchester United fans, although he is remembered quite fondly I, I think I think possibly the passage of time has has rather colored that one uh, he, he, at the time he was he looked a bit of a liability when he when he came into that United side um, and he with with silver what we're what we're asking what Chelsea are asking him to to do is 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 lead is is organize and lead and I think yeah the communication issue comes into that but I think there are ways around that I I, I Maybe that Thiago Silva in a new environment picks up the language very quickly. I don't know how quickly he learnt French when he arrived in in, in Paris, but but you know, you'd like to think that that you know he's he's someone who's got used to learning foreign languages, and it, it is a skill we will know that you, you can cultivate it. And 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 fingers crossed that the English comes because I, I think although in the in the short term speaking French as a backline um, might work, I, I'm not sure whether Ben Chilwell is necessarily going to, to, to sit easily into that into that arrangement um, we English stuff, we're not very good at learning foreign languages are we let's be honest um, and that's coming from somebody who does speak French I'd fit in um, <laughs> I just have visions of, of Ben Chilwell asking um, Tiago Silva where the nearest bank is or something yeah, after spending so. a couple of weeks with his head buried in a textbook <laughs> And Thiago Silva not being able to answer because he's only just moved here. Um, Liam, I did see some rumours that, that Thiago Silva would get the captain's armband. That would seem very strange to me. Do you think there's any credence to that? I haven't heard anything to suggest that's the case. Um, and Lampard hasn't said anything to suggest that's the case either. He spoke after the, the Brighton friendly and... You know, he, he talked about the leadership role he wants Thiago Silva to, to play at Chelsea. He doesn't need the captain's armband to do that. Um, 
you know, I think it would cause more problems than it solves to take the armband off Cesar Espilicueta, who, you know, while not being the sort of inspirational on-pitch leader that John Terry was, I think is an excellent ambassador for Chelsea and has been a, a brilliant captain in, in many other aspects. So um haven't heard anything to suggest that's the case. I don't think it would be a good decision, particularly for a, for a player who, in Thiago Silva, who... You know, there's a there's a distinct possibility that he doesn't work out uh, in England, given his advanced years and the, and the scale of the adaptation he's facing. So, it would probably be quite a risky decision for for Lampard to make. Question on Silver that's come in via Twitter from Solomon. He wants to know who should partner Silver in defence. Liam, you mentioned Zuma, and and that's who you go for in your piece. How about you, Dom? And, and would it be as a two or a three? I think that they'll be able to adapt game by game, whether it's a three or a two. Um, I think a three might be the best way of incorporating incorporating um, Cesar Azpilicueta in there if we assume that um, Rhys James's development is going to continue at pace. Um, and so that would allow a, a Chilwell and James combination at wingback, which I think is pretty exciting, to be honest. But then they've got so that, that that has implications, obviously, for what happens further up the pitch. As a partner, I mean, I want to see Rudiger in there, but but Rudiger probably didn't justify his um, position as the most experienced member of that of that central defensive core last season. He, he, his form was was indifferent at times. Uh, I think. A fully focused and informed Antonio Rudiger would be the the best combination with Thiago Silva, but but it may be that you need to you need to take into account the aerial prowess and 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 the, the burst of pace across the the turf. And if if that is the case, then Kurt Zuma probably is the answer to compensate for what Thiago Silva might lack. Uh, but there are a few options there, and and we we should also bear in mind that there may yet be interest in some of these Chelsea centre halves, and it it may be that 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 they look to trim in that area as well. So maybe there won't be quite as many different combinations available to Lampard come the come the end of the, the transfer window as they have at present. Final silver adjacent question comes from SP Beale CFC. He asks about the impact of an experienced pro on younger players. Is it better to train with a legend every day or get game time on loan? Um, Dom, I guess that most pertinently applies to Fikayo Tomori, doesn't it? Who we, we've heard might be going out, but nothing's come of that yet. He, he would benefit from being around Thiago Silva, surely. Yeah, absolutely agree. He he, he would in a normal circumstances where you, you would have some level of of time on the training pitch between fixtures. My only qualm about that on, on this particular season coming up is that there won't be very much time. I mean, there's going to be midweek fixtures virtually every week. So I, I'm not sure how many sort of tactical drills Lampard is going to be able to to implement on you know on a, on a, on a normal week um, in preparation for for the next round of fixtures it may just be recovery work and then and then basic training and a bit of tactical meeting and maybe that means that 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 Tomori wouldn't benefit quite as much as he would in a normal season which hasn't been crammed into into the time frame that we're about to embark upon um so in that there there is the balancing act you know would he benefit probably from from more game time elsewhere i'm actually more inclined to think that he he might be better getting game time if i'm honest not just because of the particular scenario we we're about to enter um normally speaking the thought of tomori training every day alongside a, a great of the the modern game in, in tiago silva somebody who who knows everything about about playing center half and has what's it 26 
trophies or something daft at Paris Saint-Germain and you know, across his career. I mean, it would benefit a, a youngster to sort of be in that presence and to and to soak up the, the, the experience like a sponge. But because there's not going to be that much time going ahead in, in this year in between fixtures, I do wonder whether Tamori might might benefit more from playing every week. So Ben Chilwell, the other defensive recruit, confirmed last week. As I said earlier, we've spoken a lot about how he'll fit into the Chelsea team. Um, Liam, can you just fill us in on, on the minutiae of the deal? How long his contract is, how the negotiations went, that kind of thing? Well, he signed a five-year deal, which is what I think Chelsea are looking for all their younger signings to agree to in this window. The negotiations, I think, were were prolonged because it took some time for Leicester to resign themselves to the fact that they weren't going to get more money out of Chelsea that they weren't going to get close to the 80 million odd um, price tag that they were originally looking for in in this kind of market especially once Manchester City made it clear that they weren't going to go big for Chilwell that was Leicester's only real hope was trying to create some sort of bidding war and um, and Chelsea always had in their minds I think 40 to 50 million in the in that in that region and they they got what they wanted in the end and they feel like they've now got a long-term solution at left-back. Lampard spoke uh, very positively about Chilwell, I think this, um, over the weekend to, to the club website and, and very much talking about him as that kind of complete option, someone who can defend and attack. And I think if he lives up to to what he's achieved so far, I, th- I think he will be a pretty good solution for them. Right. Uh, we better stop people screaming at their devices slash smart speakers slash gramophones. Uh, I need to ask you, Liam, the, the question that I've asked you every week for what feels like forever. Any Havertz <laughs> updates? Exclamation mark, question mark, exclamation mark. <laughs> Peter Bosch, the Bayer Leverkusen coach, has just come out and said that he doesn't expect Kai Havertz to train with the squad again um, ahead of ahead of the move. It's been this way for quite a long time you know we everyone is expecting this deal to get done and it just takes time because it is the biggest deal that Chelsea have ever done (laughs) to bring in a player and it's the biggest deal for any German player ever these are huge sums that we're talking about you've got to arrange structure of payments and and all sorts of small print in a deal of this scale so it was always going to take a little bit of time but it I think we're entering the the final stages now He's gone off to join up, join up with the Germany squad, but he's not going to be with Leverkusen anymore. And I, I would expect him probably to to be doing the final details of that Chelsea move and maybe coming to London sooner rather than later to complete it. Let's keep our fingers crossed because I'm getting bored of asking, quite frankly. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing him play as well. <laughs> uh, a couple more transfer-related questions before we move on. Lots of people, uh, Alex, Matej and Sam among them, asking about outgoings. Is a lot of excess baggage in the squad by the looks of things. Dom, do you think this is going to be one of those where it goes right down to, to October when the window closes and, and all of a sudden there's a mass exodus? Or, or will there be some movement out before then? I think it'll be a trickle, to be honest. Um, there will be a rush of transfer deals done in the last couple of weeks of the window because that's inevitably what, what happens. And uh, I imagine that prices may come down on some of the, the uh, fringe players at Chelsea uh, as the deadline ticks closer. Um, but there are there are a few. I mean, the suggestions are that that Conor Gallagher will complete his uh, a season long loan at uh, Crystal Palace. That should be announced soon. Um, apparently, he had a medical on Sunday, which is a quite an exciting move for for Palace and a, and a good move for him. I think he should guarantee him some Premier League football uh, regularly next season. 
Um, that's an ageing Palace midfield and I think he'll inject a bit more energy and a youthful zest in there. He did, he did well at Cheltenham and Swansea last season so he will presumably sign a new long-term contract at Chelsea before before arriving at Sellers Park. He's, he's, he sees his future very much as a Chelsea player um, and I think that the club are, are interested to see what progress he makes um, in the Premier League as he tries to establish himself there. But that's a, that's that's probably the first of of many in, over the weeks to come. Um, but I would I'd expect the likes of Batshuayi etc. to to address their futures as well. I mean, there's no point these guys sitting around at Chelsea, even if they're entering the last year of their contracts. They need to be out and playing. Batshuayi has already lost his place in the Belgian squad. Um, after a lack of, of first team football, uh, he'll want that back ahead of ahead of Euro twenty twenty one. So he needs to get get somewhere and playing again. And it may be that he has to compromise on his wage demands. It may be that Chelsea ultimately have to com- compromise on the on the amount of money they expect to get for him. But I think it will be best for all parties on for people like that. Your drink waters, your bachelors, if they if if you know we we. There was a severing of ties now with Chelsea, a bit of a divorce, and, and they can rekindle their careers elsewhere. Liam, are you expecting most of the outgoings to be loans rather than permanent transfers? I think that might have to be the case. I mean, we've already heard that Timu Bakayoko to Milan, which is the likeliest landing spot for him, is is probably going to be a loan with an option to buy. Um, we know that the Italian clubs often operate in that way but I, th- I think that's just a reflection of the market and it's going to be very very difficult for Marina Granovskaya as talented as she is at getting uh, maximum value for players that Chelsea don't want anymore to to get any significant returns um, with someone like Batshuayi who's only got a year left clearly it will be a case of just taking whatever money you can get for him but if if there are you know for the players that have two maybe three years left it'll probably be a case of we park this discussion uh, about a sale for a year and see what the market looks like then and just try to find a club for them where they can maybe rebuild some value and and put themselves in a strong position to to have some real suitors next summer. And finally, what about a goalkeeper coming in? You mentioned Edouard Mendy earlier, Liam. That that one seemed to have picked up a bit of traction on on Sunday night. Is Is that a goer, do you think? Well, we're still trying to get uh, more information on this, but it's clear that Mendy is someone that um, has significant liking at the at Chelsea, most notably with Christophe Lolichon, um, who I think is very familiar with his game. Petr Cech, of course, has connections uh, going back years at Rennes, so I'm, I'm, I'm sure he he is very aware of, of Mendy's particular strengths and weaknesses. He's not a player I've, I've seen very much of at this point, but I think... It would tick some boxes for Chelsea in the sense that I don't think they have a, t- a ton of money to throw at this problem, uh, this, this Kepa problem this summer, given the, the money they're committing in other areas. And it might be a case of bringing in a goalkeeper to compete with Kepa if you can't find uh, a place to, to send him or if or if within the club they can't quite get the support for um, cutting bait on him right now and it seemed like there were there were some quotes from Petr Cech over the weekend that were very much insisting that they haven't given up on Kepa which would make sense given the amount of money that they've invested in him. Yeah Dom I wondered about those quotes from from Petr Cech do you think that they were genuine or, you know he, he wasn't going to come out and say yeah he's absolutely hopeless we're trying to get rid of him but but do you think that they they are going to going to try and give it another go it looked as though his career was over toward the end of last season at Chelsea. 
there's really no harm in Petacek saying that because even if they do send him out on loan for a year or a year or two, um, if they find someone who they feel can can replace him on a budget, then you know it's not inconceivable that he comes back with still a few years left on his contract and can re-establish himself at Chelsea with with form and confidence restored. Um, so um, that's quite a, a shrewd political move by Czech to 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 talk about him to talk up, talk him up basically but I, I do expect some kind of competition to um to well a, a signing of a of somebody to provide some kind of competition this this summer and it, and it will be someone presumably for not very much money as as Liam suggests and there's another French goalkeeper at, at Lille Mike Mignon I think he's pronounced um who they've looked at as well, um, who apparently had a bit of a falling out with his goalkeeping coach prior to Lille's match with uh, Reims at the at the weekend. Um, and I think he's in the French squad as well. So there are a few players of, of, of pedigree out there. Whether any of these guys are able to establish themselves at first as first choice at Stamford Bridge is, is, is very much open to question. The, the, the goalkeeping experts I've spoken to who have seen Edouard Mondi play have, have cast some doubt over whether he would be a first choice at an elite club um, playing in the Premier League. Um, but we'll see. Maybe he'll he'll thrive if, if he comes in. Maybe he'd thrive in this environment and uh, his game would kick on to, to different levels. But uh, it's clear that Chelsea are not in a position to spend massively on a say a Jan Oblik size uh, fee on a, on a goalkeeper this window maybe they will be in the future and it, and it may be a, a matter of of tying themselves over to get that some competition in those in those places if need be time will tell all right that's enough transfer talk let's get on to actual football matches that happened this past weekend one of which included actual supporters in the stadium wouldn't it be great if every clothing store you shopped at only had your size, the styles you like and everything at the price you want? Well, Stitch Fix is a company focused on doing just that. It's an online personal styling company that makes getting the clothes you love simple. It's a completely different way to shop and it's all about you. You'll pay a £10 styling fee for each fix, which is credited towards anything you keep. Schedule at any time with no subscription. Delivery and returns are completely free and easy, so you can always send back items that aren't right for you. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk slash Cobham to set up your profile, and they'll deliver great looks personalised just for you. You won't need to leave the house. Get started with Stitch Fix today by going to stitchfix.co.uk slash Cobham right now. Make sure you use our show name to support our podcast. That's stitchfix.co.uk slash Cobham. So on Saturday, Chelsea began their brief pre-season programme at the Amex where they drew one all with Brighton and Hove Albion in front of 2,500 home supporters as part of the government's latest pilot scheme. Timo Werner's early goal cancelled out by Pascal Gross's late penalty. That after Willy Caballero had saved a Neil Morpé pen at the start of the second half. And before we talk about the match, a question from Ishan Shah who says the squad brackets depleted due to returning players in quarantine close brackets has only had a few days of training and now most of the players go on international duty how did Chelsea plan on having their pre-season in such a short period of time and will it affect their prep for the new season well the answer to the last part of that question is absolutely yes but I guess Dom it's one of those things isn't it it's part of as we've been talking about this compacted season pre-season comes into that pretty much the same situation for everybody you've just got to make do with the fact that that Brighton game might be it in terms of preparation 
Yeah, and and you know what? I don't, I'm not sure this is the same for everybody, to be honest. And and this is one of those rare occasions where the elite teams are probably going to suffer more disruption than most, purely because they've got so many players out on international duty. I, I, I just it baffles me really that that we're playing Nations League fixtures at this point of the season. I know I know UEFA have got the same issues with the calendar as everybody else, and but. <laughs> But in a year when we, which we're going to end with the European Championships, why the Nations League wasn't just sacrificed is beyond me. I don't, it makes no sense. Um, so, but these are unique times. I suppose you have to go with the flow. This is what they've decided. This is what the calendar is. But if you look at the numbers who are leaving Cobham to go off um, and, and represent their, their, their country um, in the next 10 days, it is, it is a staggering number. Um, and it includes, you know, first team regulars, even Kovacic, Abraham, um, Mount, Giroud, Conte, Rudiger, I mean, Werner, it's, it's Jorginho, and they're, they're all, they're all there. Um, it's, it's, it's not going to be easy for Frank Lampard to get any kind of rhythm into it. And you've just got to hope that, that as many of the other contenders suffer the same level of disruption as, as you, as you do. But you know, for for a lot of middle of the road and lower level Premier League clubs, they won't, they simply won't be this level of disruption because they won't have that many players who have been selected on international duty. Not looking at it through uh, Chelsea tinted glasses, that might actually not be the worst thing, I suppose. No, true. To so the game at the weekend, then I commentated on it. Liam, you watched it. What what conclusions did you draw? I concluded that it, it's lovely to hear your dulcet tones commentating on Chelsea again, Matt. You, you know uh, what? You said that. I saw I saw that you tweeted about it at half-time when we were off air and it, it really put the frighteners on me for some reason. I get much, <laughs> much more nervous when I, if somebody somebody who's a friend of mine that I know is, is listening. And yeah, that's why I was so poor at the start of the second half. So apologies, everybody who watched. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was it was the ideal start, wasn't it, for Timo Werner? He couldn't he couldn't have imagined a, an easier chance three minutes into his Chelsea career. What an assist from from Callum as well! Indeed, yeah, incredible no look header. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it, I think the most imp- the most impressive thing about that goal was the the ball in the in swinging cross from Hakim Ziyech, which we've seen a lot of. Well, we've we've seen a lot during his Ajax career, most notably at Stamford Bridge against Chelsea. Um, hit him crossing the ball for Quincy Promise, you know, making that run from out to in on the left hand side. And Chelsea have so many candidates to make that run this season: and Christian Pulisic, Timo Werner, Callum Hudson-Odoi. I can just see that exact type of cross, and I, I will be referencing that in a in another Scout deep dive that I'm doing on, on Hakim Ziyech later this week. Um, I can see that exact type of cross causing teams all manner of problems this season because it's just so difficult to defend when it's played right and Chelsea have so many players equipped to, to time that run perfectly. Um, other than that, it was kind of your standard pre-season friendly fair, wasn't it? Um, it? It wasn't necessarily full intensity. I thought Chelsea were, weren't always great at keeping the ball, but it was primarily a workout, wasn't it? And I thought Werner in general looked sharp. He looked in good physical condition. He he, he showed a, a good willingness to drop deep and, and link play, which certainly will be required of him if he's playing through the middle, as he was in this game. That was interesting to see. Um, and primarily, I think it's just the chance for Lampard to see physically where where all is 
well, all the players that are available are at at the moment. And it, it, it wasn't too bad. I mean, we, we, we saw, I think Chelsea's set pieces problems come to the fore again with Rudiger giving away that penalty. Um, and with Werner up front, that, that is one trade-off you're going to have to make because you lose Tammy Abraham and his height at defensive set pieces as well. But in general, not, not too many firm conclusions to draw. Just, just nice, I think, for Chelsea fans to see that little flash from Ziyech and from Werner. One of the positives that you saw an inkling of an understanding in a relationship between maybe Ziyech and, and, and Rhys James down the right and the options that might provide um, Chelsea with, not not least because opposing full-backs or, or left-wingers will, will not know whether they should be worried about Ziyech cutting inside onto his onto his left foot to put in those those whipped crosses to towards the, the far post or sort of galloping Reese James on the outside and 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 the, the option that that he's he's providing I mean that that's when you see things like that the sort of the start of an understanding a start of a threat really a new type of threat for, for Chelsea then then that's got to be promising for Frank Lampard surely yeah, and, and actually, the link up between between Ziyech and Werner was was really impressive in the time they were they were both on too. Ziyech did go off with what Lampard described as a small twist to his knee. No news on that as we record on Monday, but hopefully not something that's going to be a major problem for him. Uh, as well as those two, they were the ones who caught the eye, obviously. But but we saw a, a lot of almost forgotten men in terms of their Chelsea careers get a bit of a run out. Lewis Baker, maybe the most forgotten of. All 24 years old he is now. Ethan Ampadu, Conor Gallagher, who we've spoken about, Jake Clark, Salter, Juan Castillo, also featured, as did the 16-year-old Harvey Vale. Liam, can you make a case to see any of those players in, in a Chelsea first-team squad next season? I guess maybe Ampadu the most likely? Yeah, maybe, but it's just so difficult because with the players that Chelsea have brought in, I think the, the problems they'll have shifting players, the first-team squad is going to be so big anyway. Um that it, it's far more likely that, that what we saw is is what we generally see at the start of pre-season, which is a lot of these young guys um, getting a little bit of a shop window. And it's a very limited shop window because it is a friendly. In the case of Lewis Baker, just to remind potentially interested clubs that they still exist and they're still there and they can maybe do a job for someone. It's always, I think, a, a slightly uncertain time of the season for those guys. And, uh, you know, I feel a little bit sorry for them when when you're in that loan bracket. You do have that uncertainty at, at this point in the season. It Now it looks like Conor Gallagher has his plan. He's going to Crystal Palace. Ampadu will probably be the next one to drop because as much as he probably could do a job for the Chelsea first team, I just don't think the space is there for him. And and primarily he needs to play this year after that year at RB Leipzig. So I think the next step is to find a a home for him. Jake Clark-Salter is an interesting one because he's a left-sided centre-back, which Chelsea don't necessarily have, but... And actually played quite well in the time he was on, I thought. I think every time I've seen him, he's he's looked quite tidy on the ball and, and he's clearly got a really good um, physique for, for Premier League football. He just hasn't had the reps yet. And I think um, I think they'll, they'll be looking to get him alone, either higher in the championship, uh, club fighting to go up, or at best, you know, a lower league Premier League club. Although the, the risk with that is that I think a lot of lower league Premier League clubs are reluctant to to put their faith in in young defenders I think yeah it's a good point well we'll see if any of those guys do manage to make a breakthrough either this season or in the future for Chelsea okay next up for us today a trip to Wembley 
thanks to our good pals at beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious, painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com athletic and pay the postage of £4.95. And as if that wasn't enough, as a listener of our show, you'll get two extra free beers. So that's 10 free beers. Beer 52 are beer pioneers. They travel the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the very best craft breweries. They're now the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave at any time. The power is in your hands and they deliver your beers straight to your front door. You don't even need to leave the house. Your case will also include the award-winning craft beer magazine Ferment and a beery snack is thrown into. Just go to beer52.com athletic to get your free case. And don't forget, right now, listeners get two extra free beers. Yeah, congratulations to Emma Hayes and the Chelsea women's team on their victory over Manchester City at Wembley in the Women's Community Shield on Saturday. Second half goals from Millie Brighton, Erin Cuthbert, enough to see off City, who were reduced to 10 players after Jill Scott picked up a second booking in the second half. This is the first domestic women's football match in England since February. Remember, Chelsea awarded the WSL title on points per game after the season was cancelled. They were second to City at the time. The Mathematics handed the Blues the title by virtue of 0.1 of a point. And we mentioned the goal scorers. If you haven't seen Millie Bright's 30-yard screamer, do check it out because it, it was a beaut. Um, much of the talk post-match, though of the plethora of missed chances that Sam Kerr was guilty of. She's one of the most revered forwards in the women's game. She had a a stinker in front of goal on Saturday, though. Hasn't really shown anywhere near her best form since arriving. And that leads me to a tweet that's come in from Joe McKeague. He says, Why are Chelsea targeting Pernille Harder when they have so many attacking options? Do they expect Cuthbert to ever play again? Are they going to move Kerr? Uh, Harder, Danish striker, 27 goals for Wolfsburg last season, played in the Champions League final, uh, which they lost to Lyon at the weekend. Um, What do you think, Liam? Are Chelsea just trying to stack the squad as much as possible or or will there be an exit for a a Kirby, England, Cuthbert or Kerr? Yeah, it's really hard to say at this point, but they they do have an incredible number of really, really good strikers. Um, It was a a badly timed horror show from Sam Kerr. Uh, If you want to put it kindly, you'd say her movement was really good to get into those positions time and again, but her finish was absolutely terrible um, and given that the I think the Peniel Harder news kind of was was out and about slightly before that game you know you can raise the question of whether that maybe affected her psychologically um, knowing that there's another elite women striker coming into this club to compete with her um, I mean we all we all know about Peniel Harder at this point um, and particularly that, that she's partners with Magda Eriksson uh, I think they've they've both indicated a desire to to live in the same country at some point. Seems <laughs> reasonable. That, I think <laughs> that does seem very reasonable. Um, but equally, that's not a reason in itself for Chelsea to go and sign her. They're signing her because she's a world class forward. Um, they don't particularly have a need in that area, as we've discussed. So it it does raise questions. I think I think there will be. If if someone doesn't leave soon, um, and if they do go into the season with all these front players, I think there will be a kind of high-profile casualty at the end of the year of someone who hasn't had anywhere near as much um, game time as you think they probably deserve, and, and, and they will be moving on. But this is the way that Emma Hayes has always run Chelsea women. It's been very um, Darwinian, really, the culture, in terms of just amassing the best squad possible and and 
setting the bar to get into the team as high as possible. And if you can't hack it, you know, it's nothing personal. Players don't leave on bad terms, but they do leave. And, and it's been incredibly successful for Chelsea. So I think Emma Hayes will be of the view that with Peniel Harder coming in, with all the all the talented front players they've already got, regardless of who ends up playing for her on form, on merit, um, Chelsea will be stronger for it. Yeah, it feels significant as well that Frank Kirby was able to, to put in a good performance after such a long time on the sidelines for her. Yeah, and that season gets underway uh, this weekend on Sunday. Chelsea beginning the defence of their WSL title away to Manchester United, who've also been busy in the transfer market. That is a 2.30 UK kickoff time and we will look back on that game next week. That's just about it for this week, though. Before we go, Liam, tell us what Athletic subscribers can look forward to reading from you in the coming week. Well, as we mentioned at the start, my Thiago Silva piece um, only went up on the Athletic on Sunday. Uh, big, big sort of Y Scout deep dive into into him and what he brings. So certainly give that a read. Um, later this week, on the subject of the Chelsea women, I will be interviewing Jessie Fleming, the 19-year-old Canadian that they've signed straight out of college. I think she's a really interesting story. So I'm looking forward to doing that. Um, I'll also be doing another another big Y Scout piece, which I referenced earlier on on Hakim Ziyech. Um, I've already done it on Kai Havertz and Timo Werner, so it feels right to give Ziyech the same treatment. And I'm expecting to to spend a lot of this week watching some very fun, filthy clips of his left foot. <laughs> uh, Don, we haven't mentioned yet the the piece that you and Liam penned together on how Chelsea can afford this summer spending spree. Can you plug that now for us, please? Yeah, I mean. I know it's difficult to plug a piece that contains the word amortisation, not the the sexiest of subjects, but it it does explain an an awful lot when you you consider the the sums of money that Chelsea are are lavishing out in the market potentially this, this summer. I think at the last count, when Havertz goes through, it'll probably be around £227 million, I think, in outgoings. But uh, Liam has, has spoken to one financial expert for, for that piece and it, 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 it goes into when um, outgoing fees are, are taken into account and also the, the reality that, you know, if you, if, you, if you buy someone for £50 million on a five-year contract, you write that into your accounts as, as £10 million a year in, in terms of the transfer fee for those five years and if you then give him an extra two or three year contract in within that five year spell then you're obviously writing it off over even longer and when it comes to financial fair play that is very significant because it helps you balance your books it helps you comply with with what you for a stipulating you can do it's it's not Look, it's it's standard accountancy practice, as far as I I know. It's not something. It's not a loophole they're exploiting. It's they're, they're not doing anything underhand with this. Everybody's everybody does this, and it, it doesn't actually affect when the money is paid to to the club you're buying the player from. I mean, I, I covered a transfer at a club last week. The player went for about fifteen, sixteen million pounds, and the the buying club is paying eight million pounds now and eight million pounds in a year's time. So they they will have written off that the outgoings over the next 12 months but the reality is he's been given a five-year contract so in terms of their their financial fair play it's it's written off in their accounts over a much longer period of time um when it comes to Chelsea spending obviously we it always boils down to the fact they are bankrolled by an oligarch uh, with 
bottomless pockets, um, and that that is at the basis of everything. But there are means of of complying with within FFP and and sanctioning a, a summer of, as extravagant as this one. Do check those pieces out. Good stuff. Thank you to Dom and to Lynn for their contributions this week. Also to producer Tom, but mainly to you, listener. Do join us again same time next week. Until then, it's bye for now. Mm-hmm.